Welcome to Wallabies and Wizards. This is your host, Light, the Light-Fingered Thief, and I'm joined here by Logar. Hello, I am Logar, the Barbarian. Logar, I see this little goofy, large, raccoon-like creature coming towards us. It's trying to reach towards, looks like your plate mail on your sword. Oh, it's hungry. It's going to eat it. It's going to rust it and destroy it. I immediately jump on Logar's back and, and we start running. <laughs> rust monsters. We've got an issue of Dragon Magazine here. It's number 88. I didn't even check the year. Uh, it's me... August of 1984. So 1984, we're talking rust monsters. And it's the ecology of the rust monster. I It's by, it's by Ed Greenwood, actually. And it was an interesting little read. Now, my big question was, like, rust monsters kind of remind me of bedbugs. I was like, because they perplex me in this way. Like, how did they come to evolve? If they're, like, being found <laughs> in, like, places and feeding on things that humans have made and constructed, like, where did they evolve? Like, where did they come from before that? Like, Well, you know, they were saying that maybe they came from, like, the mines, right? A lot of the underground mines have a lot of mineral and metal deposits, perhaps, and that's where they grew up. This also says that we're not sure how they evolved. It does go into some of the some of the, uh, the the mythical lore and stuff of the rust monster and kind of expands on it. It, it. One of the interesting things about this article is that it says there's a certain bacteria that creates the rust. And right. at one point in time, they tell you how your party can actually like by taking the antenna off and keeping it like a bowl of water or something like that with rust, like you can keep it going and keep feeding the bacteria to use it which i can definitely see being done in game my player and i can definitely see players trying to use that to their advantage and coming up with some interesting stuff there overall it describes the rust monsters they're not attacking you as people they, they don't care they're not no, they're not no <laughs> they're not malicious no they just want food which is the metal that you're carrying on your uh, armor or swords or shields oh i learned something new reading this i had to look it up I, i'm surprised what? i didn't know this what's that um, where does it at? F E R R O U S. Ferrous. Ferrous metals. Fer How do you pronounce it? Ferrous. Ferrous metals. Yep. Do you, uh, do you know what a ferrous metal is? Did you know before you read this? Because I, I had to I had to discover reading it. Yeah, I, I actually my education degrees in materials and metallurgy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you knew what ferrous metals were. I didn't until I read this, and I even worked at a steel mill. I think I've heard the term thrown around. Yeah, it's iron. <laughs> yeah. yeah, iron mixed into any of those different metals that has them. Yeah, it's iron. <laughs> so so they're looking for ferrous metals. So I guess iron ore probably would have been the original thing they ate coming from the depths of mines. Correct. You easily weave some kind of story around them coming out of the mines and stuff like that. It's got some cool ways that, that people can defend off of them and what things people do. One was the chain trap. What was the rusted chain trap? Right. But that's assuming that you're carrying a length of chain to be able to <laughs> set it up. And and they would use the rusted chain as bait and a magic user would get in there and cast fireball to destroy the rust monsters that they came in. And the the others would be armed with long wooden uh, stabs, yeah, stabs, <laughs> spears, essentially without metal and, and be able to push off the bodies. Uh, so using metal 
Metal spears sounds like a good way to deal with a rust monster. Is uh, thing that, or not metal? I'm sorry. Wooden, Using wooden, wooden spears. spears. Wooden spears is a good way to deal with a rust monster. You got wooden weapons, kind of like a vampire. Stab him in the heart. <laughs> well, you remember when the party encountered like four rust monsters in Hyperborea? Yeah, Everybody, it wasn't that uh, long ago. We ran, we tried to hide our weapons. <laughs> Everyone had to hide the weapons, and what did you guys get out? Like boomerangs and clubs, I think, <laughs> that were made out of wood to be able to fight it. Wooden bone, wooden bone, wooden bone weapon is going after it. Now, it, it the way it talks about the way they walk and, and kind of kind of hobble over to get things, it was, was kind of interesting. Like a puppy. Yeah, pretty <laughs> like much. I mean, there's like a puppy. puppy or raccoon cub or something like that. And it even talks about the babies. Now, the babies have tentacles that are like, I can't remember. Their, their, their tail itself was five feet as a little as a little rusty, I think they called them. Yeah. They call them rusties. Yeah, rusties. And the antenna was about three foot long, they were saying. It's considered like a small sized beast when it's a child. I mean, three feet to plus antenna with that five foot tail and everything else you picture and this is the baby i don't know how big the body is it didn't really say but that thing's bigger longer than a human being would be tall because that's eight feet there on its own those are big if that's the little baby rust monsters are not tiny creatures no and they do have some interesting rules for the tail to knock you down as well too yeah the tails are watch out because you can take out the antenna but they can take your feet out from under you right and then if you get knocked down it's going to be you know like a plus four bonus to attack on your metal and going after your after your swords your axes your armor uh, it seems like the the big danger isn't trying for the the dungeon master to inflict hit point damage here but to take away you know armor and weapons and make it harder on the party it seems like that's the intent of the rust monster to me um i know i've had them deal damage before in games i'm playing but I'm not sure that's 100% what they're intended to do. I think they're intended to kind of take out some of those things. So creating a new form of damage or threat to your player party, whereas, oh, I've got my plate mail. Suddenly, I don't have any plate mail to protect me in the rest of the dungeon because the rust monster came along and ate it. on it. <laughs> well, the other scary thing is many magical weapons can lose a level as well, too, if it encounters a rust monster. Yeah, magical. There's a whole formula here. It says, so it's it, the formula they gave for the rust monster and the magical weapons is like it's a 10% chance per plus per one plus. or something yeah. like that. So the Correct. chance the chance isn't the highest. Uh, like, like there is a chance to be able to save and you can try to, you know, try to keep your magic weapons, but there's a good chance that they can take out those magic weapons and rust them as well. So there is a save there. One of the other, there was another really interesting thing of note about them. Where was that? Um, about the how much they eat and how often they need. Oh, them. yeah. They were saying they might eat like just like once a month or once every two months, depending on the dungeon that you're in. So, yeah, if they get a good suit of plate mail to munch on, they don't need to eat for a few months. They're all right. Yeah, they're okay. But, you know, if you find a family of them, I'm sure the family's hungry. Oh yeah, the whole family's got to eat. We have to. We have to have all that armor. All that. All your yeah. armor needs to feed this family. You don't want to. You don't want to deny this little family of rust monsters their, their dinner now, would you? You mean people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they have to be able to survive and feed their family too. So you know, maybe give it a shield to eat on. There you go. Here's my shield. This is the extra shield I've been lugging around. Why don't you eat that for a minute while we try to get away? <laughs> 
use this decoy. And like with eating, that's that's like their whole goal. It's, it's hungry. That's the whole threat they pose. So it talks about trapping someone up a tree. It'll stay there until, uh, you know, it, it won't starve to death. It'll it'll wait you out while it's hungry. Uh, and you probably aren't since it can wait a couple months to eat. You're probably not gonna be able to stay up that tree long no. enough to outweigh out the rust monster. I was like, you know, you, you probably starved before uh, outweighing <laughs> the, the rust monster. So, I think reading this made me reconsider how I've ran rust monsters in the past and how I will run them in the future when I approach running rust monsters against the party, make it a little more interesting of a game. Uh, going after the, that armor is definitely something I'm going to be using rust monsters for as a threat in the future. I, I, I probably should have in the past, but maybe haven't been aggressively intent about it as much. Well, you know, like we said, we uh, ran into some rust monsters in Hyperborea and you guys were like, what, level five or six? And this is a level one monster. And it scared the party a lot more than a high level hit dice, you know, monster. Four rust monsters turned a party around. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing too, though. Like we we ended, we didn't try to. Uh, do we we didn't we like end up trying to leave there in general, or did we ever kill them? I can't recall. You guys ended up fighting and killing them, but with wooden weapons and such. And then I think you guys might have trapped it in a room, and then yeah, Jake Jake like fireballed fireballed the rest of them. <laughs> Which is the chain trick, essentially, just fireball yeah. them all with our magic user. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so. I uh, rust monsters, they're pretty classic D&D, and I'm looking here how to run them in the future. Like I said, I'm going to try to go after some armor with these next time I pull them out, especially in this upcoming campaign. We're going to be looking at, all right, let's make this a little harder. Let's go after armors. Let's go after the things. Go after it. It's, it. So if you're running this, whoever's got the most plate mail, like you got your paladin walking around covered in that plate mail with that super high armor class. That's realistically what it's going to go after. And they're just looking for something to eat. They're not looking to hurt you or anything like no. that. They just want to eat your armor. That's all you give it the armor. It'll, it'll lunch on it, go away and, and, and keep to its kind of little self. It's not a violent, inherently threatening thing. It's just not good for us because we have this conflict where what we need to keep us safe and what we need to kill the baddies or whatever we're running into, our weapons, our armor, what we're relying on for combat is threatened by them getting fed so we have a you know a conflicting conflicting <laughs> interests conflicting yes. interests and then i think that makes for a more interesting game than just i'm gonna get you it's like oh my food supply is something that you value right so i do have a question for you logar so if you look at the adult stats so the adult rust monster stats it has antenna of seven feet long and a tail of 10 feet long so if you run your game does that mean that they get a free distance attack essentially? Because melee is seven feet away. You're probably not going to be in melee unless you're carrying like a pole arm against it, right? You're not going to be able to swing at it. So that means the rust monsters should get a free attack as you're approaching it from melee, right? Yeah, I guess it would. It would make sense that that they'd be able to get that attack in beforehand if they're that big and they can attack with their antennas seven feet away. Yeah, that's and so yes, this thing. I, I like I said, that doesn't does it give the total body size, the total size of the creature with the seven foot and the ten foot? That's seventeen feet, not counting the main body. That's just the tail um, and antenna. Yeah, I just said that it was a medium sized form, uh, tail at ten and antenna at seven. That don't seem medium to me. <laughs> Well, in the D and D rules, I, I they guess, call it medium. I mean, I guess the large that means would be a dragon, right? So that's why they call yeah. it medium. 
So I guess that means the body's about human sizes. I'm going to say the body's six feet. So we got six plus seven, that's 13 plus plus. So about 23 to 20 to 25 feet long creature. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm picturing that it's probably the size of like a small cow or something maybe <laughs> with long antenna and tail. <laughs> Perhaps a, a calf. Yeah, um, a calf. But then antenna and tail seems to be like, I'm looking at the pictures though, it doesn't seem like the ratio seems right. That body... No body to length of the antenna and tail but that's what it says in the article at least for a full-size adult hmm. that's huge and you get them to them before we get to them i don't know there's one more thing in here that i thought was neat is that there's a dice roll for the item that struck on your character they give yep. you as weapon one to 36 you get a weapon it's 37 to 64 you get a shield 65 to 85 you get the armor 86 to 95 your helm and 96 to 00 minor but visible metal object belt buckle headband gauntlet etc so it's a roll on if the once the rust monster attacks you what exactly it is he gets now i mean if you're not wearing that thing i'm not sure how you're going to use that chart like okay i'll just go for the next one or re-roll or something re-roll i guess yeah. but you know it'd be funny if it hit your belt buckle and then you know your belt buckle rusted off and then your pants fall off oh ah, no <laughs> we're not allowed to do that keep your trousers <laughs> lose your trousers guess what lose your turn <laughs> oh, it's the end. It's the... lose your turn pulling your pants back up <laughs> and oh the mating, they don't, they aren't monogamous. They just kind of mate when given opportunity. There's a whole list of different culture and stuff like that stuff here. I don't know if we're going to go over them all, but some of the interesting, the scavengers, the scavengers, uh, then it talks a lot about the bacteria and how long the bacteria, it can, it acts through the antenna and how long it can remain active and it can remain active in items that get the bacteria on it to rust it. So the bacteria hits the metal, rusts it. And as long as another metal object isn't touching it, it's not going to spread. But if you touch another metal object to it, the bacteria can spread, making it edible for the rust monster, essentially. So you got some contaminated metal you might want to stay away. And as a DM, keeping that in mind, if that metal is contaminated, you can use it to contaminate other stuff because the bacteria is still there. My biggest question is, why do these, these medieval wizards know so much about bacteria? I don't know. I mean, you know... <laughs> They probably wouldn't don't know that much about you know germs and bacteria and stuff you can't see with the naked eye yet. So it says they don't know a lot about it, but they do know it's a bacteria. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. Those of you that have, thank you so much. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. We are on Patreon. Any support you can give us will be very helpful. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. Yeah, you see Rust Monsters, make sure you run fast the other way. <laughs>